Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, dear church family. We are blessed to be together again today. It's been quite a week with the kids going back to school. Sarah started, she went back to school this week. Uh, She's up at Tyndale driving up there one day a week. The weather's been beautiful. The crops are being harvested. The tomatoes grew nicely this year. Did you get good tomatoes in your garden? Peppers. I have so many peppers. I'm going to be pickling my peppers this week. Cucumbers and squash. Uh, it's, it's so wonderful here in St. Catharines. We are in, we're in the, it's like a little cornucopia of, 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 of grapes and and fruit and vegetables, and it's, it's been wonderful. This is, uh, this is my first year. I'm coming to the end of my first year, and I, I don't remember the harvest last year. I was too busy moving in. And, um, but summer has come, and it's gone, and it was a good one. Are we grateful? Yes, it was a beautiful, a beautiful summer. We're talking about the path, continuing our journey. We're a fifth week on the path, 29 times in the book of uh, Proverbs, we have the mention of the path or paths. Let me just read a couple of them. Proverbs 1.15, my son, do not go along with them. He's talking about people of questionable character. Do not go along with them. Do not set your foot on their path. Proverbs 2.9 talks about following the way of wisdom. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path, as you follow God's word. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Proverbs 4, 6 um, talks about a subtle nuance of this principle. It says, make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Apply that to your life. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. If you've been with us for most of this series, you know that the principles are true both geographically and theologically. And the principle is the direction you go determines your destination. The direction you turn determines your destination. If you were out at the lighthouse yesterday, you would have seen Sarah and I doing our walk. Our destination was the lighthouse because we turned left out of the driveway. This morning I want to add another qualifier to our statement, and it's, it's an important one. And it says, what gets your attention determines your destination and determines your direction, and your direction determines your destination. Say that again. What gets your attention determines your direction, which ultimately determines your destination. So adding that, what gets your attention, and it's really the principle of focus. Your attention determines your direction. Now, do you, remember, do you remember the days before smartphones, mobile phones? How did we ever survive without mobile phones? Um, how did we ever get anywhere without GPSs? All of these things that take our attention. Did you know that 25% of driving fatalities are caused because of cell phones? It's called a lack of attention. It's, it, it's 
It takes our attention. I don't know if you've seen an ad that's been up recently where a guy is trying to show someone something on the phone and the guy who's trying to drive, and he's saying, don't distract me. Here's an even harder statistic. 58% of teen accidents are caused by cell phones, not paying attention, a lack of attention behind the wheel. Um, When you stop paying attention, what happens? It would appear you swerve, or you don't stop in time. Why do you think every province in Canada has passed laws prohibiting people from talking on cell phones in cars without some sort of handheld device? Uh, The question is, why do I look at the car next to me coming to church today and I see a guy on his phone? So I don't think the laws... I think that we, we believe that we don't need to pay attention when we drive. You know, when you pay attention to your phone, you are not paying attention to where you're going. That's the facts. There's a good chance that when you're on your phone that you are going to steer off the road or you're going to steer yourself into another car. What you give your attention to will determine your direction. And when you're on your phone, what direction are you looking? Well, you're looking down at your phone. That's why many of us have stiff necks, because we're always looking down at these things. Your, your, direction, your, your direction determines your destination. Now, Solomon knew this. He never owned a cell phone. We can be sure of that. But 3,000 years ago, he wrote this proverb. Can we get it up? Let's read it together, David. Let's read it together. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. He knew that if you take your gaze, if you let your gaze stray, that you would lose your direction. In other words, our destination is determined by direction, and our direction is determined by our attention. What are we focusing on? Have you ever been talking to someone, and in the middle of what you're saying, they look at their phones, and it's like, you can't listen to me and look at your phone. They call it multitasking. I call it a dream, a lie. Gentlemen, back me up here. I don't know. We can't multitask. We do one thing at a time. We can do quickly one thing to the next. But I can't hear you when I'm looking at my phone. I'm sorry, Sarah. I'm sorry. Now, I talk about phones. Phones are terrible. They capture our attention. You know what's even worse than phones for a young man? A young woman. I remember when I, when I met Sarah, there was this, I was in seminary, this tall, beautiful girl, and she captured my attention. And I was supposed to be studying. And you know how hard it is to study? When you're thinking about this tall, beautiful, willowy lady, I found, myself, I found myself trying to find reasons to go to Halifax. She was living in Halifax. I was up at Acadia University. And I remember I found a reason to go to Halifax. I didn't have a car. I had a motorcycle. It was February. 
And, and you know what? I went to Halifax. I went to Halifax. My attention was diverted by this beautiful, beautiful woman. That's a positive example of how a person, you can focus on a person and it influences your direction. It has influenced me till today, 32, 32 years later, I'm still being impacted by this woman from Halifax. And we're praying today for Dad and for Kate, her sister, because we can't get in touch with them. We know that Kate boarded up the house, and she's really close to the water, and there was a, a significant storm surge, so we pray for the family even now. Usually he watches. So, Dad, just in case electricity's back, we hope you're okay, and we, and we love you. So the principle is that our attention causes us to turn a certain direction, which leads us to a certain destination. Now, all of us have had opportunities in the past that show the flip side of this, sort of the negative side of this. We look back and we think, I wish I hadn't let my attention go there. I wish that I had ignored something that was drawing my attention. Those in cars, they go, I wish I'd never checked that text. You know, leave your phone down. Don't answer in the car. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to text me in my car, but when you text me, my phone automatically says, I cannot take your message because I'm driving. And I did that because I know I can't drive and read. Sometimes I can hardly drive. Sometimes we think life was better before that got my attention. Sometimes we think, I wish I hadn't I wish I hadn't met that person and started down that road because it's taken me down a road that I don't want to be on. But you probably recognize this conversation. Have you ever had this? This is, this is you talking to yourself. And you go, wow, look at that. And you're thinking, I probably shouldn't go there. Well, perhaps I should take a second look just to make sure I shouldn't go there. No, you're right. You shouldn't go there. Well, let me just make sure I shouldn't go there one more time. And then, and then you think, well, it probably won't hurt. Let's just go there just for a little bit. And that's how things draw our attention. And the next thing you know, you're going that direction. Common sense sometimes is thrown out the window. Before you know it, you're moving in a direction you don't want to go. Now, usually there's a strong emotional appeal to things that grab our attention. We get sucked in by those things that um, emotionally engage us. Um, advertisers know this. Advertisers know that if they grab our attention, we will buy it. We will go that direction. We will try it because it's garnered our attention. Where do they put all of the candies as you're exiting the supermarket at the checkout. Nate, you know where the candies are when you're checking. You do. I, I know you do. And the candies are there. And what are you doing at the checkout? You're standing around. And what are the colors of candy wrappers? Are they bright? Are they pinks and yellows? Are they trying to get our attention? Yes, they're getting our attention. And they say to us, hey, Rob, you need a chocolate bar. 
And, and, this, and this side of me says, Rob, you need a chocolate bar like you need a hole in the head. But then the other side says, well, it's, it's beans, and beans are a vegetable. You know, it's protein. And the other side says, uh, don't lie to yourself. And then I say, well, if you buy it, you can give it to Sarah. <laughs> and then it never gets home to my Sarah. What captures our attention will get our direction. And so far, we've placed two verbs in front of the word attention. Sometimes it captures our attention. Sometimes it grabs our attention. And these are examples of, of sort of a, a negative type of attention. Here's two more verbs. This is the principle of choice. You get to choose what your attention is given to. Do we not get to choose? Are we in control what we give our attention to? Are you in control? Bob, you're not in control. I know Marg is in control. <laughs> we are, Bob. You are in control. We make choices based on our maturity, our mind, our heart. Things go through our filter, and we make choices. But you can choose to give your attention, and you can choose to pay attention. Those things are things that come out of thoughtfulness. Um, things that, that grab our attention, that capture our attention, are usually emotional things. Uh, candies, people, beauty, it grabs our attention. Babies, beautiful babies, they grab our attention. I don't know how many kisses little Jane got last week. But when you guys saw that little baby, Lauren, you couldn't help yourself. She, she saw the baby, and she went over, and, and she kissed that little baby's head, little Jane's head, and it was so beautiful. We, we are drawn. She grabbed our attention. That's a positive attention, but it's emotional, isn't it? When you see a baby, what do you want to do? You, Sarah, Sarah just wants to be a little baby. You just want to grab that beautiful baby. But then there are things that you can choose to give your attention to or to pay attention. Have you ever had anyone say to you, hey, pay attention? Have you? Please pay attention. Emotions tend to fuel things that grab or capture, but our intentions, our mind, our thoughts help us to pay attention or to give attention. When you are going to a wedding, you pay attention to what you wear. I am paying attention because Sarah bought me a new shirt this week, and I thought it might look good on our new HD camera, David. You pay attention. You pay attention. When a friend comes over, you vacuum. And sometimes you vacuum places that you don't vacuum when you don't have friends coming over. But you want to get, you pay attention to how you're cleaning when you have a friend coming over. But there are things that draw our attention that lead us to disaster and destruction. Things that are powerful and emotional that grab us and grab our attention and put us on the wrong path. But we need to make good choices. The most important thing we do in life is we choose. We choose which direction to go. We choose what we focus our attention. We choose. Are you good at choosing? How do you decide what you choose? Where you go? What you do? How you spend your money? If you have a baby, how do you choose these things? Where you live? 
what your job is. How do you choose these things? Well, God gives us his Holy Spirit, his word, and his family to help us with all of these things. But these are important choices. Are there any really non-important choices? I, I, I don't know what color your socks are, I guess. Isn't that important? Unless you're up here playing guitar or something I didn't, and you have two different color socks on. That wasn't you, Tim. All of our choices are important. What you give your attention to makes a difference in your life. My question to you today is, what is drawing your attention these days? What is your attention on these days? Some of you just started school. Nate, is your attention on going back to school? No, I know, because you're not a big fan of school. But if I was your teacher, I would love you as my student. Because you're smart. You might be a little trouble every now and then, but you're smart. <laughs> and we love you. What's drawing your attention? Is it your relationship with someone else? Is it a career? Is it your house? Do you have a house that you are fixing? I was over at Dennis Walls yesterday, and he's building a porch. It's going to take him a week to build it. Last year. <laughs> and he's still building that porch. That's been drawing your attention. And every time you drive by it, you think, I'm going to finish that porch. What draws your attention? A pastime, a person. Is it your marriage? You know what draws my attention? My mother. My mother draws my attention. She FaceTimes me. Pretty much every day, my mother will FaceTime me and talk to her Rob, and she'll give me her list of things I need to come and do next time I'm in Niagara Falls. Yes. And it's, most of the time, I'm looking at her up her nose because she holds her pad here, right? Her iPad and her it shows up like this. It's like, Mom, please move your iPad like this so I'm not looking. So your mother draws your attention. Your children draw your attention. Does your faith draw your attention? Sarah, what's drawing your attention? Sarah Horton. Planning a wedding is very much drawing your attention. And you, we have the, the uh, shower this afternoon. Travis, you know what's drawing your attention. Yeah. Now, for many of you, what is drawing your attention is your health. Isn't it? How am I feeling? Do I have what I need to be healthy? My ears, my eyes, my hands. Can I walk? What's drawing your attention? How many of you went to a doctor's appointment this week? That's not many. You're healthy. That's wonderful. What's drawing your attention? Because whatever draws your attention will put you on a path to a destination. Five weeks into this series, I want to make a suggestion. From the Apostle Paul, he writes, Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for Christ, who called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what's behind, straining forward to what's ahead. That's to be our attention. That's to be our gaze. All of us who are mature should take this view of things. Philippians 
Almost every book in the Bible describes a focused life. That's my prayer for you, a focused Christian life. The author of Hebrews says we must pay more careful attention there to, for, to, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Hebrews 2.1. So thank you for coming this morning to worship. And my prayer isn't that you'll enjoy the sermon. My prayer is that you will take it out of here with you and that it will help you make choices. Some of you here have drifted away from your faith for a while And you wonder how that happened. It happens because of the principle of attention. Your eyes, your attention followed something other than God, and you wound up drifting away from your faith. In fact, Herb Hebert, who we just buried this week, tells that story of a man who grew up as a man of faith and then fell away from his faith. And then, was it 20 years ago, Paul, he came back to his faith, and he was an adamant, strong believer. But he, he fell away from his faith, and he tells the story of walking away and, and, um, and some of the emptiness of his life while he was away from Christ. So, this is a beautiful scripture, so let us fix our eyes on Jesus, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. Hebrews 12. I love that scripture. Fix your eyes. Where are your eyes fixed? Well, Christ tells us that he wants us to live an abundant life. We are to enjoy our work, enjoy our family, enjoy our communities, enjoy our babies. Can we have a focused life, an abundant life? I say yes. We can fix our eyes on Christ and take him and his, his love for us wherever we go, whatever we do. Jesus is embedded in our hearts and he comes with us. We carry Jesus with us right here in our heart, right here in our mind. Can I jump on my motorcycle with Jesus? Yes. In fact, if I don't take Jesus with me on my motorcycle trip, I probably shouldn't be going. When you go to the Greek festival, how many of us went to the Greek festival last week? That is, I had garlic on my breath for three days after that. When you go to the Greek festival, do you take Jesus with you to the fair, to the festival? Yes. When you build a house or fix a road or renovate a bathroom, is Jesus with you? He must be. He must be. When you cook your favorite recipe, some plats, perski, some spibak, I'm still waiting to have rollkuchen. I have not, I've been here a year, and I haven't had, but I did get an invitation from Mrs. Voth to the Quilters Guild. I believe it's this week. Is it this week? Is Mrs. Voth there? Sorry? It's tomorrow? I'm eating rollkuchen tomorrow. Please, Lord. When you're cooking, are you cooking with Jesus? When you're making your favorite dish, is it a spiritual act? I believe it is. I don't think that there's anything that can separate us from the love of God or anything can separate him from who we are and what we do. I've been to your homes. I've had some of your meals. And they were prepared with love. 
Have you ever had a, a meal that's not prepared with love? Yeah, sort of half-hearted. I am grateful that Christ is with me and that Jesus is in my focus no matter what I'm doing. Whether I'm, whether I'm preaching, whether I'm, I'm at the Greek festival, wherever I am, Christ goes with me. In the early days of Christianity, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians. He says, Jesus being in very nature God did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient on the cross, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow, Philippians 2.6. Paul put these words in the letter to the Philippians because he thought it was important that everyone know that one day every knee will bow before Jesus, no matter what path you're on. A few weeks ago, we learned that the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty, Proverbs 22.3. So here's the danger I hope that you see. If you pursue anything less than Jesus in whatever you're doing, you're going to end up bowing your knee to something that is less than God, less than what God wants for you. This is why Hebrews 12.2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the path, the path to fulfillment, the path to purpose, the path to where you want to go. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's another word for way? I am the way. It can also be translated, I am the path. I am the path. Follow me. Jesus says. So whatever we give our attention to, we need to take Jesus with him, with us, in our hearts and in our minds. We have a choice. We can follow Jesus or we can follow something less. You can let your attention be grabbed by something that feels good for a moment or you can give your attention to one who loves you and gives you direction for the rest of your life. And that's a choice that we either we've made it or we have to make. Now, there may be some here today who have never chosen Jesus. And there may be some online who are watching who, who somehow stumbled upon Scott Street this morning and they don't know Christ. And my encouragement is that you get on the path spiritually to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to pray a prayer for those of you who, who've, who are calling out, who have never asked Christ into their life. I'm going to pray that prayer today with you. And then some of you have decided to follow Jesus a long time ago, but you've let your attention be grabbed and captured by something else or someone else. And today is the day to correct it. Today is the day to say, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I will fix my eyes on Christ. Let's pray together. And this is a prayer. Pray this prayer with me if you've never accepted Christ into your life. You say, Jesus, I believe that you are the way and the truth and the life, and I am choosing to follow you today. I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm in need of a Savior. 
and I invite you into my life, and I call you my Father. And a prayer for those of us who are believers but need to get back on the straight path, who need to focus our eyes, to fix our eyes on Christ. Jesus, we pray that we know that you are the way, the truth, and the life, but I haven't been walking the path that I need to walk. Today, I'm choosing to put you first again. I choose today to fix my eyes on you and to follow your path. I purpose to walk firmly the path you have called me to, and I'm serious about my faith. Receive me. Lead me. Father, we love you, and we thank you that you hear our prayers and that you call us to your side. Walk with us along the path you've chosen for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So a couple things as we finish. First, we have one more week on the path. So I look forward to completing our series together next week. Um, Next week is what do you do when there's a road closed sign and life changes radically? So seeking God's help on the path when the path changes. I'd like you to fix your eyes on Jesus and read Proverbs. If you can be reading uh, a chapter a day of the book of Proverbs, again, if, if you could read it, it helps us to fix our eyes and to make good decisions every day. And here's, here's a new one for today. Your friends, your coworkers, who are you praying for that they would be on the right path? Because God doesn't give up and we shouldn't give up. Are you praying for your brother or your sister? Maybe your mother or your father? or a neighbor. We need to be praying for these people and then showing them the path. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.